Hey, when does the show start? Hey, wait a minute. <gasps> First, let's hear from our sponsors. Oh, okay. In just a minute. New year, new problems, possibly, unless you got Mad Dog Manny Aurora, the man, the myth, the legend. Aurora Law Firm, specializing in criminal law, pops by the BS twice a month if you have any questions for him. You can always leave it either on our social media. You can shoot us an email by going to our website, podcastthebs.com, or you can call our hotline and leave it there, 404-369-3825. Even possibly set up a one-on-one with you and Mad Dog Manny on the show. He's handled litigation in 19 states, represented many clients, including professional athletes, law enforcement agents, lawyers, and politicians, top 100 national trial lawyers he is the man mad dog manny aurora the aurora law firm.com the aurora law firm.com the a-r-o-r-a law firm.com did you know in 2022 19.86 percent of adults experienced a mental illness issue that's equivalent to nearly 50 million americans just under five percent are experiencing a severe mental illness So what does that tell you? That means maybe you, possibly your friends, maybe your family need some help. Sometimes it's hard to turn to the person right next to you and you need to find that neutral third party. Ridgeline Counseling, Dr. David Markwell and his therapist, they've been uh, with the BS for quite some time, a personal friend and the best at what he does. Markwell Therapy com works with children, adolescents, adults. They offer Spanish-speaking counseling services. They accept insurance, offer self-pay options. Three Georgia locations, East Cobb, Marietta, right near the square, and McKaysville outside of Blue Ridge. But you can always get to them virtually. MarkwellTherapy.com. If you or someone you know needs help, just reach out. MarkwellTherapy.com. We all got to have insurance, right? Or even possibly change insurance, which a lot of people don't know it's a thing and usually saves you a lot of cash. Sean Camp at Country Financial, he's the man. Looking for a new car, you're going to need insurance. You want to get a hold of Sean Camp. A new boat, a new motorcycle, buying a house, all these different things. Sean Camp at Country Financial is going to help you uh, with and walk you through. I wish that my mother would have talked to Sean Camp at Country Financial. She would have had comprehensive, and I wouldn't have had to bought her new windshield. All right, how do you get a hold of Sean? 678-519-9028. 678-519-9028. Make sure you say the BS sent you, right? Get a little extra special rubdown. Sean.camp at countryfinancial.com. You can shoot him an email. S-H-A-U-N dot C-A-M-P at countryfinancial.com. The camp agency at Country Financial. It's your one-stop shop for all your insurable needs. It's time, ladies and gentlemen. After all these years in the radio business, Jason Bailey is finally unfiltered. I don't know what you want. With his bestest buddy and producer, all the way from Mexico, it's Nate, dude. Sit back, enjoy. Here is the podcast that is all about intellectually immature nonsense. Are a very particular set of skills. You will love it. Why? Because I'm Jason's neighbor. I'm old man Kevin. (laughs) And by God, this is the BS. All right, here it is. Episode 130 of the BS. Thanks for being here uh, in the mobile Golden Scissors Studio. Sponsored by uh, Gorenstein and Watkins. GWtrial.com. 
trial litigation attorneys, personal injury. That's the big kicker. Everybody's getting hurt. Gorenstein and Watkins, GWTrial.com. My name's Jason Bailey right there in Playa del Carmen, Mexico. That is the Nader Tater Vader Masturbator. Hola, como esta? Hola, buenos dias, all. How you doing? Uh, I'll get there in a second. And there in the <laughs> Zelinsky studios, B-Man, Brandon Thrasher. Hello, Brandon. Hello, I'm digging your right shoulder. Yeah, I, so uh, uh, whenever I do the uh, show when I'm on location, <laughs> I guess that's what we'll call it. <laughs> Uh, I'm in I'm in California right now. By the way, thanks to Nikki D, who's not going to be on the show today, but uh, for getting me and my wife sick. So we appreciate that. That's that was awesome. Really, um, just a really <laughs> good time. Just to you know travel and be sick at the same time. It's just uh-huh. and, and she's going to be fine be, when she comes to Mexico. You know, so she she's good. She I don't know if she did it on purpose or what, but it's not cool. Um, but anyway, with that being said, so we uh, we're we're staying in, in this hotel for the first two days called the Citizen, which like dates all the way back, I guess. I mean, this is old school, old school hotel, and the California uh, history is. I never really thought about it. You know, every place you go in the in the United States, there's going to be history. You know, like in in Georgia, it's always you know. The South will rise again. We didn't lose. And it's all Civil War stuff. And, man, look at this. I found a bullet. You know, and you come out West, and it's all Gold Rush stuff. I mean, that's not even a conversation. It's all Gold Rush. It's all uh, train towns and the history behind that. It's actually really, really neat. Uh, I've just I've only been to California like twice, and never once have I been able to kind of mosey around and, and, and do different things? So that, that, I thought that was pretty cool. But we're staying in the Citizen Hotel, back to the, the, the thing. And, and it's a boutique hotel. There's literally no room in our room. So I'm sitting in this, like, little small confined area with all my equipment. Can't hear out of my right ear. and I, it's So we'll get through the episode. But it's, uh, it's very nice. It's not cheap. Uh, but it's you don't, you don't get a lot for your money other than being in downtown Sacramento. That's all. <laughs> So. <laughs> they were tiny citizens. Tiny citizens, yeah. I, I I don't know the history behind this this uh, hotel, but they have got you know letters from ex presidents and all kinds of stuff. And do you, do you know anything about like anywhere in California, Nate, as far as like the history? Yeah, you know, I was watching this uh, special one time, and I I can't remember all the details, so forgive me. But it was like California was once like a a Mexican territory for like a certain amount of time for like, I can't remember how long, but it was like one of the only parts of the United States that was like under us control and then went to another country and then came back again. Really? Yeah. Something, something like that. Really? No idea. Did we buy it in the Louisiana purchase? Wasn't that included? I think that was Louisiana. Wasn't that Louisiana? Well, I, thought, I thought that was like the whole left side of the country we bought. See, what, yeah. let, me, let me teach you something, okay? When we're having a conversation and we don't know the answer, you definitely don't want to ask a question that we definitely don't know the answer to that most people probably do because that makes <laughs> us look really, really stupid. So if you're going to ask that question, just do a little research and go, well, it was also in Louisiana Purchase, too. I mean, you have plenty of time. You could, you could have just waited on that one. <laughs> <laughs> I think one of y'all would know. I thought y'all would get on history. <laughs> well, here I got some facts. Okay, so California was under Mexican rule from 1821 when uh, Mexico gained its independence from Spain until 1848. Um, that year, they signed the Treaty of Gu- Guadalupe Hidalgo, and it signed California back over to the United States. Well, nothing about the Louisiana Purchase. No. no, but I think he's right. I think it was like from Louisiana over, like the whole West Coast. 
Good job, Brandon. Now you got us going down some rabbit hole that none of us know what the hell we're talking about. <laughs> oh, wait, no, maybe it's not. Ooh, maybe it's just the center. Yeah, see, there yeah. you go. Thanks, Brandon, again. Oh, yeah, it wasn't. It was just the middle part of the country. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it looks I like I thought it was included. I, I didn't think, Cal- I didn't, hey, we'll throw in California, too. Just the, the big <laughs> the big state, we'll throw that in. Just because, you know, you're lucky that we did this today because we're having a sale. So we're throwing in, we're throwing in California. <laughs> it's a fire sale. <laughs> um, so the let me start uh, at the beginning when we take off. You know, and so we're we're flying Delta. We get upgraded to Comfort Plus, which is great. I'm of course not a great flyer, so I'm looking at the weather and leaving. You know, it's like it's going to be raining in Atlanta, so it's not going to rain. It was supposed to rain at first, and then it's not going to rain. So I was very excited about that. Then I was worried about when you fly into Sacramento because. These poor people over here have been going through 20-plus days straight of rain. I mean, it's been like disaster biblical proportions. And it's crazy that it hasn't gotten, I guess, more attention. But, I mean, these people have been beat up. Santa Barbara, uh, even at Santa Clara, you know, where where the 49ers stadium is. Uh, San Francisco, um, like a lot of these, you know, places where like a lot of even the celebrities live. So, uh so I was worried it was going to rain. Well, this the day that we got here was the first day that it didn't rain in like 20 plus days. So anybody I met, I was like, yeah, we just got into town. You know, we're talking, asking questions and stuff. And they're like, oh, you're the one that brought no rain. Thank you. So they they, they, they look at me as like the no rain guy. I was like, this is fantastic because I do have a couple of friends out here. They're like, wow, you need to come out here more often. We've, we've had rain every single I mean, that's how desperate these people were is that they didn't have any rain, you know? I mean, they have had so much rain. So we, uh, so I was happy about that. And, uh, we, we get on, we get on the, uh, the flight and we're, you know, we're upgraded, but sometimes when they upgrade you, they don't take into consideration that you're flying with, uh, you know, I guess you're flying with somebody and, you want to sit next to that person? So they just upgrade you thinking that you're going to be appreciative of that, but you're not sitting with the person. Now, I've got to sit with my wife when I fly. Nate, you know this. We've flown together. I need to sit next to somebody I know. Right. Because if things get weird, I need a hand to hold. I need my service animal, which would be whoever <laughs> I know. You know, I think at one time in Nate's case, I just kept hitting his thigh when it got bumpy. You know, in yep. Rachel's case, she like squeezed my hand. I need that. Okay. I'm sorry if you don't, but I need that. Uh, so I'm sitting in the middle and we get in there and there's, so there's, it's one row. Okay. But two different. So three seats on one side and three on the other side of the aisle. <coughs> Excuse me. So we get up there and there is this big George boy, uh, older guy sitting on the aisle seat and there was this skinny looking like Asian dude that was sitting on the aisle seat on my side. Well, I know the big boy wasn't going to move. That's just not happening. Uh, he, he can't fit anywhere else. Totally get it. I understand. So uh, I was like, well, this Asian guy, you know, usually when you ask somebody to move, they usually move, right? I mean, have you ever seen somebody ask somebody and they don't move? I've, I don't know if I've ever seen that. I mean, if they're getting a shittier seat, they probably don't move. Yeah, but you do it because you're nice, you know? I mean, like, you, you can, and you're also putting, whoever's being asked, you're kind of being put in a situation because if you ask loud enough, everybody hears it. And it's like, 
Oh, the guy just wants to sit with his wife and you're by yourself. What's the big deal? Just sit, <laughs> just sit in the middle seat. That's it's not a big deal. Like I don't care what seat I I sit in. Uh I just wanted to sit next to my wife. Now unfortunately, we had the two middle seats. So 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 whoever switched with us had to sit in the middle seat. So I was hoping I'd find somebody mature enough to do this. And and uh the, the Asian guy's like, "No, man, sorry." She's like, "I I'd like the seat." And I was like, well, this is going to be a long flight, Dick. This is not going to be good. <laughs> so, uh, but the the big rednecky guy was really cool, and he was like, "Man, you know, let's just wait. We still got two more people. We'll find them. We'll get you two together." I was like, "All right, cool." So, uh, so the, the 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 next guy comes, and he's uh, he's he's kind of all over the place. He's frantic, skinny, kind of cool looking, younger white dude, and and he's got his hair up in a in a thing, and. And uh, he comes over. He's sitting next to me by the window. And I said, dude, I'll buy you drinks the entire flight if you swap seats with my wife and so I can sit next to her. He's like, man, I'm so tired. He goes, I, I've been traveling. I was at a wedding in South Carolina. We had a layover. We had a, we had a layover. Then, you know, I had to come to Atlanta. And it was it's just this whole long story. He's like, I'm so tired. I just want to get some sleep. I was like, okay. Well, I'm not going to push the issue. You know, it makes things weird. Fine. Sits there. Got one person left. And I'm offering anybody drinks. Like, now I'm talking to everybody in our little section. You know, like the like four different rows. I'm at, like, anybody want to switch it up? Play a little Tetris? You want to move it so I can sit with my wife? And uh, finally, the next guy comes. And he's foreigner. I don't know where he's from. White dude. Kind of scraggly beard. And he, he walks up. And I said, before you sit down, I've got a proposition for you. I will buy you free drinks the entire flight if you switch seats with uh, w- with my wife or me, no, because he was sitting next to Rach, and he's like, "Okay, sure, that's fine." Like, no, that was it. It was really easy, and he sits down, and so you know, we we take off, and we're in the air, and I and, and I was really tired, and I I can't sleep usually on flights, but this one I was able to get a little sleep, and it was hot, really really hot. Rach's TV didn't work. They gave us like fifteen thousand sky miles because our TV didn't work. You know, so it was like this, it was, it was interesting and I, I, but I was really tired. So before I fell asleep, I was like, well, I got to make sure I get this guy drinks or l- at least let the, the waitress, waitress know that everything's on me. So she comes with a drink cart and I don't even drink on flights either. This is the first time I ever wore sweatpants on a flight. I'm coming a long way. I got to tell you, you know, cause I always <laughs> wear jeans cause I have to have a belt in case I regulate. Then I figured out I can still wear sweatpants and I can still regulate and just use the straps for my backpack. <laughs> Stupid. Yeah. <laughs> Think about or, that. Or the string from your sweatpants. <laughs> or the string from my hoodie and or my sweatpants. Yes, absolutely. So, it's like problem solved. I can now wear sweatpants. So, uh, we're, we're, the waitress comes and she's got the little cart and I order, you know, vodka, soda, water, blah, blah, blah. And I said, that guy over there, the entire flight, uh, I've got his drinks. And uh, the dude, the dude wait, uh, stewardess, whatever you call him, looks over at me and goes, uh, you're in Comfort Plus, sir. Y'all get free drinks. I was like, Really? I had no idea. I really didn't. I had no idea. I didn't know what my <laughs> platinum medallion status got me on this uh, this company. Ooh, I'm feeling a little, a little bougie. Yeah, so uh, so I was like, I don't know what to do. I go, can I give you cash? Or, you know, so the guy's like, no, don't know anything about it. The other dude, by the way, that was at the window didn't fall asleep. I watched him. I watched him to fall asleep because he told me he was going to fall asleep. He lied to me. That's what he did. He lied to me. <laughs> 
should have slipped him a, a melatonin uh, and be like, you fucker, you're going to sleep, guy, bad. Yeah, or choke him out. You will be going to sleep. One way, shape, form, fashion, you are going to sleep. <laughs> so you guys were like in first class or just upgraded from wherever you were before? No, we weren't in first class. We didn't get that. We didn't get that good of a hookup. We, uh, we went to Comfort Plus, which is like on Delta. There's first class, first class, first class, and then Comfort Plus, and then the other people, you know. So, <laughs> so we, we had a the other people ticket originally, but then they realized – Ooh, this guy's platinum medallion. We need to move him up to Comfort Plus and give him a seat with no television <laughs> and no air conditioning. It was really hot, like really, really freaking hot. But it was a great flight. I got so lucky. I was so terrified. I didn't even take a Xanax. It was a really, really good flight. I mean, just yeah, little, little smudge of bumpity bumps. But that's it, you know. And I felt good because the pilot came on, you know, as we were taking off. He sounded like he knew what he was doing. You know what I mean? That That's important if you're not a good flyer. The pilot to come on. I personally think that the anytime you're, you're, you're on a flight and the pilot comes over the loudspeaker, he should tell you a little bit about himself. Like, he should give you his resume. This is my 450th flight uh, with Delta. I started my flying career in the United States Air Force. Uh, never been shot down. My buddy did over Macho Grande. And, uh, but, uh, I, I, I got in the dog fight, you know, and just like, tell us a little bit, you know, give us open up, humanize yourself. I would, that would make people like me feel a little bit better. Agree. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that, you said you were Delta. Yeah. 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 That's usually like, um, like Southwest spirit and frontier usually have like the comic pilots, they come on and they yeah. tell like some jokes and I stuff. Like so, so that's cool that Delta came on and, and cause they usually don't say much except for how high they're going and where you're heading off to. Well, no, that's what I'm saying. That's all he said. I'm saying they should give more information. They, they should give more. Oh. Yeah, 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 that's what I'm saying. They, he came on and just was like, you know, hello, my name is Captain, da, 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 and uh, I'm Captain Phillips, and we're going to be, da, 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 and we're going to be, da, da, da. you know, and he sounded like he knew what he was doing. What I'm saying is for people like me, I feel like the pilot should say more. They should tell us a little, got three kids, got a nice wife. We've been together since high school. Love her very, very much. I'm going to see her here tonight. You know, that kind of thing, you know. Yeah, sober for six hours. I've been sober for six hours. Uh, just was released from <laughs> rehab. <laughs> Did you see that video um, at the at Hartsfield? It was in the Delta. I don't know if it was a lounge or just a, a terminal. The, the fire lady extinguisher. With the fire extinguisher. Yeah. yeah. Kind of weird. <laughs> it's crazy. That never happens when I'm there, but I'm always looking for it. You know, I, I don't know. I saw it on an uh, ATL scoop on Instagram. But I, I had, I have no idea why, like she would do that. It doesn't say that, that's the only other problem with the ATL scoop. They've got some great video and some great footage of stuff. That I don't know, I don't know how they, I don't know how they get it and send it and all that stuff. But, um, hey, <laughs> we're recording a show and you're dying back there. Um, so, uh, but they never explain like they never do a follow up. They never explain like you know why did this crazy woman run around. Delta with a fire extinguisher. And, like, why didn't anyone do anything for God knows how long? Yeah, that's what I was saying. And you can even see one of the security guys just kind of, like, sauntering over there, like, oh, I guess i got to do my job now. And yeah. even the, there was, like, a, a cop that came later. He was kind of jogging over. But, yeah, they could have stopped her before she 
um, did it because you go, you watched her walking around with it. So yeah, I didn't know if that was um, when you or it happened when you guys were there because it was in no. the Delta area. It seemed. Trust me, I wish it did. I love stuff like that. You know, <laughs> but, finally get to regulate. Yeah, I mean, people need to be more vigilant. As they say. like, you you see something goes on and you kind of look at it for a second. You go, your brain just tries to, you know, wrap your head around it. Going, does uh, is that really happening right now? Is that really really happening right now? And then once you figure it out versus kind of being spontaneous and saying, okay, this is crazy. This needs to stop immediately and just jump into action. You know, I, I, I think, mo I think that's the rarity, right. Of people just jumping into action. Those are people that are trained, you know, military, ex-military law enforcement, those types of people that can quickly kind of comprehend and compute what's going on. You know, for the rest of us, it's like, is that chick really got in a fire stick? She does. What, what is she going to... Like, you're not even thinking that she could be dangerous, you know, that she needs to... That you're not... You're going, okay, let's go take her down. Take her down right now. You know, and I always wondered in that kind of situation. So, she's running around the fire extinguisher. I tackle her. I put her in the figure four leg lock until cops arrive. Do I get in trouble for that? Um, I don't think he... Well, she could probably sue you for assault. Um, yeah, but, but that's crazy. I don't think that... Yeah, but I don't. I don't know what the, I don't think the cops could do anything. Uh, but I think most of people just wait on those things because you don't know what's really happening. You kind of have to feel it out a little bit because you don't want to be that person that that thinks something else is going on and and you misjudge it and then you look like the idiot, like on uh, Miss Congeniality when she like dives off the stage because she thinks she has, sees a gun and then it turns out it was like yeah. uh, I can't remember what it was like popcorn or something. I don't know. But yeah, so you just don't want to look like the idiot and and be vigilant and then you're like shit i look i look like a dumbass because i overreacted <laughs> yeah but, but what about the times when you're not vigilant and something bad happens and you had a chance i mean you hear those stories all the time you know i could have done something um but i didn't you know before well, and also back back in the day you used to like it was just like if it was somebody like that you'd be like oh they're just you know being crazy or ridiculous or whatever but now you don't know if like you go up to that lady what if she has a knife on her what if she has a gun i mean there, there's a million other more dangerous things that could happen now it seems like absolutely yeah i'm always looking for that this i'll say this one thing that i liked about this flight and i said this to rach i go you know i think everybody on this flight looks good i mean i don't think we're having problems you know you can look at sometimes you look at people and you go oh, that dude's that guy's fucking crazy or, you know, something's going to happen. You know, I, look, I, I looked at everybody getting on this plane and I profiled every single person. I was like, I think we're going to have a nice flight. There's no issues right here. Everybody seems pretty damn normal. And the people in California, <coughs> I think the state gets kind of a bad rap, maybe because of L.A. or whatnot. But I can tell you, Sacramento, people are so friendly. They're the nicest people in the world. So friendly. They, uh... It, it's it's kind of like the South in a way where, you know, actually it's actually even in Georgia, people, they'll, they'll, they'll maybe wave at you on the road sometimes. Like if you let them come in, but everybody here is, they'll walk by you and they'll say hi, kind of like Nashville. You know, you go to Broadway in Nashville. They do that on purpose because they expect, they're thinking you're a tourist and they want you to feel welcome and it's a great trick and, and, they, and it's very welcoming and I've always commended uh, those people in Nashville that do that. But it's very much like this, but these aren't people that are trying to get your business. These are just people that are walking on the street. They're like, hey, what's going on? Hi, how are you doing? Isn't that weird? Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's pretty far North in California. So it probably gets more of that kind of Midwest. I mean, I know it's not in the Midwest, but that Northern like kind of Midwestern, you know, friendliness and hospitality and everything. And, um, 
Yeah, it does get a bad rap because everybody says, or here's California. And when they talk shit about California, it's really, they're talking about LA. You know, there, there's a million other little cities in California that are beautiful and everybody's friendly. There's not like homeless people laying around. It's just good, wholesome people. And yeah, it gets a bad rap. Well, Sacramento's got their homeless population. They've got little, oh, do they? oh yeah, downtown, like, like literally three blocks over. They've got, you know, they're all, ten, I mean, they, like they got condos. I mean, they got tents and all kinds. I mean, they've got this thing that they do. It's it's pretty 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 nutty. Do they know the ocean is to the west? Because I mean, if you're going to be homeless, why are you going to be homeless inland? At least be on the beach. <laughs> well, after the last like month, I probably got pushed over here. You know, we went down to the the river. Uh, I don't know what river it is, but the, the main river. Like, there's a place mm-hmm. called Old Town. Ironically enough, it's where I play tennis in Marietta. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so it's it's old it's old Sac, right? old Sacramento. And <laughs> well, that's I call Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> so we go. We had some time to kill before we were doing dinner, and so we go down there. <clears throat> and this place was way cool. It, re- it reminded me of like a like a theme park, like Frontier Town. I bring that up from time to time. When I was a kid, I went to Frontier Town. But they've got or the Jersey Shore, you know, at the Boardwalk or Ocean City. This is big. Or in Florida, isn't isn't there an old town in Florida? Yeah, Kissimmee. Like, uh, in Kissimmee, there's an old town. Yeah, but yeah. The, the, so this, you know, obviously the, the train still goes through, and the train's very much a part of California and the transit system. So the the they have like a train museum, and they have all these old locomotives, and you know it's really neat just to walk around. Then you can walk, uh, you know, parallel to the river. They've got this big uh, paddle boat that they guess use for a hotel or something like that. Tons of debris in the river from all the rain. I mean, giant trees that were knocked down. So you got the the redwoods out here, right? You got these gigantic, enormous, some of the oldest trees on earth, and they were knocked down. Um, like when we were walking in downtown Sacramento, uh, going to dinner, I, I don't think I've ever seen a tree this large that was knocked down. It was so big. Um, and it was just, you know, they had, they're starting to do cleanup now, now, now that hopefully the storms are over. Uh, and then there's this gold bridge. I'm assuming it's probably called the gold bridge. I don't know. It's a thing. I guess like in a certain light, when you look at it, it, uh, it just shines bright. It's colored gold, but it's like when it shines, it shines bright gold. So we walked on that and walked into the little stores. I got a little sweatshirt. See, I got a little sweatshirt on here. California oh, nice. oh yeah. It's called the tower bridge, the tower bridge. Yeah. The tower bridge. But let me say this. We were there for about an hour and a half. We rented a car when we got here. Got ourselves a sweet Honda, like, uh, like crossover type of thing. Sweet ride. Let me tell you, sweet ride. And we, within an hour and a half of walking around this old town, saw not one, but two people without an arm. What are the odds? Damn. An hour and a half in a different state running into, not literally, running into two amputees. And Rachel was the one that pointed it out. I didn't even realize it. I mean, I realized it after the fact. And she goes, that's the second person we saw, with, you know, that's an amputee. And she goes, I, I wonder why there's so many of them. And, of course, my response was, well, maybe there's a half-off sale somewhere. They should get one of those big shirts and uh, join forces. Two yeah, hands. Exactly. Maybe they're mortal enemies. They like got in a fight on the street and took each other's arm. <laughs> like, I hope I don't run into him again. <laughs> And <laughs> we're descendants of the railroads. <laughs> yeah, our great great grandfather ripped <laughs> our hereditary for the for their for their for their <laughs> suffering. Uh, people are posting on my social media because I've only posted a, I guess a few pictures of me being here. They're like, there's this hatred for this state 
from the South. It's so funny. I'm guessing it's all political. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Is that, is that what it is? It's all political? Yeah, totally. And most of it is people that have never been there. I mean, just like anywhere, like any country. And, you know, Mexico, same thing. Everybody that does say, oh, it's so dangerous and this and that. Like, you never even fucking been here. You don't even know. And well, if you have, you went to an all-inclusive resort, so you wouldn't know anyway. <laughs> yeah, but what I, what I find hard to, I guess, swallow here is that just because a state, you know, on, on, on election night comes through a certain color doesn't mean the entire state is that color. Actually, it's 100% not i mean that's true that is a true statement it's like you're never going to have everybody that agrees especially politically uh so like everybody has this concept or this this misconception i think of like california and washington states you still have conservative people you know there are you know there are definitely pockets especially sacramento which is the state capital you've got people all over but i'll say this is I haven't had one person bring politics up to me. I mean, I look when I when I travel. I tra- not only do I know a handful of people here already, and I've had the opportunity to meet a good number of people since I've been here. Um, but I, you know, I I'm trying to get. I love talking to people that I don't know. I love understanding, learning from stuff like this, and nothing political ever came up. You know, and, and when I say I'm from Atlanta, nobody goes, "Oh, bunch of rednecks down there." They don't say that. You know, but you yeah. go in Georgia, you're like, yeah, I'm going to California. Oh, a bunch of libtards. <laughs> like, no, it has nothing to do with politics, my friend. I'm just going to California for a trip with my wife. That's all I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have to make a big deal about it. And, and to be fair, Georgia is based, I mean, not the same as California, but, you know, the bigger cities are blue. The rural areas are red. The, the, the state went blue, right? Georgia, yeah. Well, the last election, yeah, that was the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's kind of the same dynamic. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of people up in the mountains and stuff that are uh, you know have different views and everything, and it, it, that's fine. I mean, yeah, I don't I don't know why it gets this like stereotype. I don't, you know, I I think I fell into that that trap. To be honest with you, I think I was you know one of those guys that was like, you know, oh, it's 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 too left, you know, because I'm neither, you know, I want to be in the middle. But I don't want to be anywhere that's too right or too left. You know what I mean? And I don't want to have to defend something I, I do or say to anybody, nor should anybody have to do that. Right? You just kind of do your thing, keep it for the most part to yourself, instead of trying to, you know, Dave Koresh the situation and recruit them to join whatever cult you're a part of. Um, so I, I think I had that too. I, 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 and I was like, you know, I'm going to come over here and everybody's going to be dancing with flowers and tripping out on LSD and just come. I don't know what I was thinking, but it is, it has been, it reminds me, Nate, a lot of Orlando. It really, really does. No, you're a mute. I can't hear you. How's that? The, with the redwoods and the mountains and the. Yeah. The ocean. <laughs> yeah. No, no, just the, 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 and maybe not the people, just there's a vibe to it. You know, there's a, um, a proximity vibe. Probably that's the big thing. The proximity vibe, you know, like I've always said, downtown Atlanta sucks. You know, remember Brandy used to always get mad when I'd say that. And I'd purposely mm-hmm. say that, um, I purposely would say that because, you know, she'd get upset, but downtown Atlanta, let's be honest. It sucks. The, the, the city, the city aspect, the city life of Atlanta is non-existent. It's horrible. You know, um, and she, she would always say, well, you just don't go out. You just don't know the places to go. No, I, I mean, I, I, 
lived in the city now for 10 years, so I've been around for to a few places. I know there are places to go. But what I'm saying, if you compare it, Atlanta is a big city. There's almost 8 million people that live there. You would think that it would be very close to like a New York or a Chicago or an L.A. where you get out, you park. You know, my idea of a big city is you park and you can spend the entire day and night walking around and always have something to do. You know, if you're in New York and you're walking from Central Park down to um, you know, the financial district. I mean, you're walking the whole strip. That's an enti- that's more than a day. You know, you're going to get tired doing it. Atlanta, you get off at Waffle House and you walk over to Centennial Park and you go over to one of the restaurants, which Taco Mac, and then you go into Phillips Arena and you're done. That's it. <laughs> right? <laughs> Yeah. But you want to go downtown, yeah. downtown, and you can look at all the homeless people and go to the bins and stuff and walk in circles <laughs> and try to avoid the piles of shit on the road. Yeah, there you go. Well, <laughs> but I don't know, like, what what's better? Because basically Atlanta is just not, hasn't been built up to be this kind of touristy fake city center like most other big cities. So is it better that they're not catering to all these, like, tourists and making these fake little restaurant areas and all these these different types of things in the center? Or would you rather have that? I'd, oh, I'd rather have that. Yeah, absolutely. Because we, we do have that. It's just not downtown. There's there's tons of different areas of Atlanta. It just isn't in one spot downtown like some other cities. Well, that, and that's what I'm saying. And plus, there's like three downtowns, right? You've got downtown, mm-hmm. you've got midtown, you've got Buckhead. So you've got kind of three downtownies, you know, like midtown's more of the business district and, you know, Buckhead's uh, back in the 90s, you know, more of the party district. Now it's more of the bougie district, you know, and downtown is like you're going downtown to see a Falcons game or see a Hawks game. Really, I mean, that's about it. <laughs> Unless you have a convention. I personally like cities that I can walk around and enjoy it. And like somebody comes into town and say, hey, what, we're going to take you downtown. There's a great restaurant. We're going to do that, and then we'll head on over to the thing and do the thing, and then after that, we can hit up the other thing and do that thing, and by that time, we can Uber home. That's that's personally what I like. You know, yeah. but there are there are those things though. I mean, there's the the Georgia Aquarium. There's you know, like Brandon said, Mercedes Benz. There's uh, the Martin Luther King Historical Park. There's Zoo Atlanta. Like they're they're all down there. There's t- there's things to do. We just didn't really do those things. No, I did all those things, and those are things that everyone should do. But you do them once. It's not a yeah. re- it's not a revolving place. That's, you know, that's another thing. It's a revolve, like, oh, there's a new store, there's a new this, or there's a new attraction to, to, go, to go to and to do. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I just, I, I was, I mean, and how many times did you take your friends from out of town to the Martin Luther King Church? I mean, really? I mean, was that? Well, yeah, I wouldn't, but it's just something that people would go and walk around to do. I mean, it's like most places. I mean, what, what you had the, uh, you have like the, the railroad museum. How many times are you going to go to the fucking railroad museum when you're there? Uh, once <laughs> no i i would get a, a an annual pass to be honest with you <laughs> they, they also they also had like a little uh, amusement park down there too which was kind of neat i mean this is just like one little area but it, it, was, it right. was it had a bunch of shops you know, which was neat on the boardwalk you know it had you know the little gimmicky shops you go in and buy this little tchotchkes big uh obviously because of the the history with native americans in the state of california um so they had a bunch of Native American run shops selling stuff like that. Uh, so that was kind of cool. And then, yeah, but the, the, the amusement park thing wasn't open for, you know, maybe it opens at night, but they've got, you know, that. So at night, I guess they're, they're one of these guys was telling me that works the stories like, 
oh downtown he's like down here it's awesome they have live music um they you know block off the street obviously so people can just go out and it's a big you know they bring in bands the city brings in bands so it's that will be that's cool i like that stuff too you know when you got that downtown concert series thing going on yeah i like that yeah um see god i wish i had more stories other than that but really i mean met some people I've noticed an uptick of people on my social media telling me not to move. I don't think I ever said I was. Um, I don't know. People are speculating on why I'm here, which I guess is kind of flattering. There's some phone calls yeah. that were that were made to certain people asking why I'm out here. And I was like, uh, I knew one of the names. I'm like, you never cared about me. I, I like, like ever. <laughs> why do you care about me now? It's that's just weird. Can a guy not, not take a trip? Come on. No joke. <laughs> it, it, it's like if you're not in the radio, if you're a radio personality, but not in the radio business right now, and you take a trip to anywhere in the United States. Now, I can go to Mexico and I can go to the Bahamas. No one's going to say a damn thing. But I go anywhere in the United States. People are going to, huh. Yeah, dude. Uh, KT, KT. I uh, used to listen to them growing up. Uh, that's a great place to get a job. <laughs> <laughs> what you know everybody every people were speculating whether me or steve were, was going to get the job uh at the at the river you know because their dude went over to uh, our old employer to uh, be the program director of the the station that took over so i don't know if that's public yet but that's what he's doing sorry spoiler alert anyway <laughs> so i was asked you know would you be interested in, in this opportunity and i respectfully said no i'm not um it, like, I guess that dude, I think, left because he wasn't getting paid and it was bored. You know, you just go in there because that's all that station needs to do. All that station needs to do is 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 play music. They're 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 like most boring classic rock station in the country, but they generate ratings and revenue. And it's crazy. Uh, but that's what they you know, that's what people want. And that's what you know, if you're that company, you want to give people what they want. Because just think about it, if you're running that 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 station, and I know the person that does run the station, you have to do nothing. Like you you don't want personalities to come in. I don't blame her. You don't want personalities to come in and be in your office and be a headache and a, a pain in the ass, and you got ten million other things to do, and you're winning without the pain in the asses, right? Because anybody that's a personality is going to be a pain in the ass, me included, and we're only a pain in the asses because we open our mouths. Anybody with yeah. an idea. In the radio business, anybody with an idea, creative idea, and or doesn't agree with the authority is a pain in the ass. And you'll have baggage and luggage for the rest of your career. And there are, there's a new breed of management in the radio business that takes a different approach to people like me. And they say, that's how you are. Let's figure out. Let me manage you because you're my manager. And that's what you do. I can be managed, but I've got to trust you. And I've got to like you, right? I just, I can't be a subordinate to a guy walking around, you know, hitting on girls that are 30 years, his, his you know, younger than him, but he can do it because he's the boss and they're all salespeople, right? right. I, I can't respect that at all, you know, when you got a wife and kids at home. I can't respect that. I just can't. And, and I'm not going to kiss your ass. So that's just not going to happen. So I'm glad that there's a new breed. There is a new breed. You know, it's not, it's not, it's not, not all is lost, which is, which is, which is pretty cool. 
Um, so I've listened to some of the radio here in Sacramento. It's very good, actually. It's a lot of lot of rock stations. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I would, yeah. I can. I would think there'd be like a lot of rap or like top forty or hip hop out there. Me too, Brandon. I thought so too. A lot of rock stations. A lot of a lot of classic rock, um, alt rock, uh, active rock, uh, all that kind of rock. Rock, 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 huh. rock around the clock. You know, it kind of makes sense, though, because a lot of, I mean, you kind of think of uh, California, like the hippie movement and that, and that generation in the 70s. So those people all moved out there and now they now they've retired there. So they're still there. So they're looking they're listening to probably rock music, classic rock. Yeah, which is great. You know, just maybe rock is 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 not dead. Last though, last story before we get to your Mexico. We do your Mexico moment, right? Say, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So we were t- we were in an Uber. So was the other thing is I didn't Uber to the airport for in Atlanta, and I don't want to Uber ever again. Ubers give me anxiety. Like one of the last Ubers I was in, she almost killed us. And there was that Russian chick that was on her phone. She's talking to her boyfriend, and I know it was her boyfriend because it had a little heart emoji next to his name. And she had it on speakerphone, like right in front of her face. And she's like, Bushki, 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 and yelling at this guy the entire trip, not even looking. It was almost like a movie, you know, when they don't look and all the cars crash around them. We pulled out of our neighborhood, and she didn't even look. And we, I mean, were just inches away from being clipped, if not killed. And I said something to her, and she turns around, and you're bushki, bushki, bushki. And she yells at me. I'm like, oh, shit, just get me to the airport. Horrible experience. So, uh, and I've had a couple of those. So, anyway, I was like, you know what? I'm not going to Uber. I'm going to drive, and I'm going to do uh, a park and fly. And it's actually less expensive to do something like that, especially if you got a lot of people in a lot of bags. And, and we brought four bags with us because we didn't know how to dress. So we brought, you know, two big bags and then two small bags. And I had to bring my equipment, too. Uh, so, we, you know, we took my truck. We go to this park and fly, which was great. And I found a deal online. And I parked there for, you know, a week for like 60 bucks or something, which is a steal. Yeah, that's good. And I get to drive, you know. And the way, like, if you use your GPS... I didn't realize there was like numerous ways to get to the airport. You can go 285 to Camp Creek Parkway. That's like the back way to go. There's like no traffic. None at all. It was great. Yeah. It was phenomenal. So uh, so we did that. But anyway, while we're here, we also rented a car uh, because we have a lot of driving to do and some different areas that we want to look at and people to see and stuff to do. And I'm not going to Uber everywhere. It's, it's, so we rented a car. We got the sweet Honda, whatever it is. Uh, but we had to Uber uh, the other day, the other night coming back from dinner because we didn't drive. And it was too late and too cold to walk. So we get into this Uber, and it's a young guy, like mid-20s. He's uh, from Pakistan. And we get in the car, and Rach gets in first. And she goes, hi. He goes, hi. And I get in next. And I said, hey, buddy, how you doing? And he goes, not so good. And I was like, excuse me? That's just, I don't really care, but that's just what you do. You say, how are you doing? You know, and then you're supposed to respond with, great, how are you? Because you want to make this trip enjoyable. No one responds with, not so good. (laughs) Because I have to now have a follow-up, like I care, of why you're not having a good night. So, but anything for the story, right? So, I said, oh, man, I'm sorry to hear that. What's going on? He goes, fucking Uber. Fucking Uber. So, what's wrong with Uber? You work for him, right? He goes, I don't get much money. They take my, you know, I just picked up a ride, $30. Guess how much they gave me? $20? $8. $8. I cannot live off of $8. 
and it was fall, and I had to wait. That's ridiculous. This is my Pakistani accent. You, I, five, fall, and I had to wait. So how much you make? Our our trip was uh, eight dollars, and I said, "How much you making off our trip?" He goes, six dollars." I said, "Well, that's good. You know, we're doing good, so you should be happy with us and not happy with them." And uh, he's like, "Yes, I guess so." And then he starts to go into, I, "I've got to make more money because I have girlfriend. She likes uh, fancy clothes, American clothes, fancy clothes." So I'm like, "Well, how long have you been here?" And you know, "How'd you get here?" And it's like, "My father, you know, he came over, and then there was a." Some kind of thing where if you're under 20, you came for free. Like, shit, didn't know that. Don't let that information out. People are not going to be happy about that one. (laughs) (laughs) The United States is having a sale. (laughs) If you come over and you got anybody under 20 that's in your family, bring them with you for free. (laughs) No papers necessary. (laughs) Just come on over. (laughs) It's like the kids eat free at the buffet. Right, yeah. The under 20, free admission into the United States of America. So, anyway, that was kind of funny. All right, Nate, here we go. And now a Mexico moment with Nate. All right. Mexico Moment with Nate brought to you by Inspect All Pest Services. Inspect All Pest Services provides high-quality termite, pest, and wildlife control. But that's not all they offer. Inspect All can take care of your insulation, pressure washing, gutter maintenance, and other home services in Metro Atlanta and the surrounding region. And now, if you mention the BS, you get 10% off, and you can reach them at 770-483-2420. That's 770-483-2420. All right. What do you got? All right. Well, this happened. Um, I can't. It was maybe a while ago, but we were. Uh, we have this area where we walk tiger, and it's kind of. It's basically like a median um, with like kind of a little grassy area, and there's some trees and stuff. Because there's not at least the area that we're living in. It's kind of there's not a lot of there's not a lot of open fields. If if you know what I mean, to <laughs> just uh, yeah. go and let your dogs run free. Um, so this is like the spot where we take him to go to the bathroom. And so we're walking around and then this guy comes up to us with his, uh, girlfriend. He looked like white guy and, uh, it looked like he had a Hispanic girlfriend. He started talking to us about tiger and he's, Oh, he's so cute. Um, you know, how old is he? You know, kind of the, the same ordeal, uh, that we get every time and just asking questions about him. And, uh, he, he starts to tell me about his dog and his dog was born, um, without, uh, well, no, he has lay. It's, it's like his legs don't work correctly. Like he can, he can walk, but they're kind of like wonky. And I think it was, a I think he had a lab and, uh, so he has a pretty big dog. And so he was telling a story about him and he said, when he, uh, when he got her, when she was a puppy, she noticed the legs were weird and she couldn't w- walk very far. So he was like, how am I going to have this, you know, this dog that's going to get to be a bigger dog and be able to take her around and stuff. So he's like, I started developing this um, backpack uh, so I could carry my dog around. And so he's telling us about it and it's um, how he like, he physically designed the whole thing. And he is, it, he was, he moved up from Peru. He's a Canadian guy and his Peruvian girlfriend, they were there and they like, they're getting this thing in production. So they, uh, they had like kind of a facility there that was um, producing some of these backpacks and they had some prototypes done. Um, but he was, they were in Mexico actually looking for another production facility that could manufacture these backpacks that he designed. And I think they were aimed a little bit more towards like motorcycle riders or whatever. Cause they, they had like leather on them. They're kind of more protective than the one we had in, um, that, that we have here in Mexico. 
So he's telling me about it. I was like, oh man, that's super interesting. He's like, yeah. And he's like, I got to tell you, he's like, I came over here to talk to you because he's like, your dog is so photogenic. And we wondered if he would want to be in a commercial uh, for, for one of the backpacks. And we're like, yeah, that's cool, man. Yeah, whatever. And so, uh, um, and so I'm secretly hoping that he's going to give me one of these backpacks because I'm like, oh, that's sweet. These things are kind of expensive. And so the next day we meet him at him and his girlfriend out and he brings his camera and she has a GoPro and everything. And so they, they put tiger in it and he fits in it just fine. And, and they had different sizes. He was like the, I think he was this extra small even actually. Um, and so they put him in it and they, they do a bunch of filming and everything. And, uh, and I, I'm like waiting afterwards, like, Oh, maybe they'll ask us to lunch or something. And he's like, well, see you guys later. And I was like, Oh, okay, cool, man. So I was like, yeah, let's, let's grab a beer sometime. Dude never hit me up again. Um, but it's called pack mate. And here, see if I can get So you're still going to promote it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So still going to plug it. <laughs> well, he didn't tell me he was going to give me something, but yeah. So he was in this video and the, the guy tells him, or like it kind of explains on how to put it on and everything. And so uh, they got Tiger in it. So now, yeah. So Tiger's famous on this backpack thing. So hopefully it takes off and he becomes a superstar and gets some other gigs. So Brandon, what is the lesson here to learn? Uh, ask for money before you put your dog in a commercial. Yeah, uh, negotiate before you start. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> or at least some beer or something. <laughs> well, you should have said to him, you go, uh, well, look, uh, that sounds great. I'd love to help you promote your uh, your backpack. Uh, I'm a, you know, po- I'm a podcaster. I've got a big audience and I've, you know, got, uh, I'm able to get to a lot of people on social media. So do a little trade-off, use my dog. I'll talk about your product and you give me a backpack, right? That's all you had to do. I'm sure he would have given you one. Yeah, like a brand yeah, deal. Well, yeah, I was just trying to be nice, um, but I thought he'd maybe give him a little something. Because when we went and did this kind of similar thing where there was a photographer that said, hey, like, I got to take these pictures for this company. Um, do you want to go zip lining and cave exploring for free? And I was like, hell yeah. But afterwards, he, he ended up buying us lunch and uh, and gave us a ride there and back. So I was like, okay, cool. Well, we got we got to go zip lining for free and everything like that. So I thought he, maybe later he would he would do like take us to lunch like uh, this guy did, but guess not. <laughs> Being nice is for pussies. Don't ever do that again. All right. All right I'm going to be a dick. <laughs> you don't have to be a dick. You just have to get yours. You know, the guy approached you. He wants something from you. You know, there's, you don't know that guy. I mean, if it were Brandon that had the backpack, of course you'd do it for free. Uh, but it's not. I mean, it takes time out of your day. You know, say, hey, look, you know, I mean, you got, you have your damn phone being held up uh, for an hour now showing us this guy. So this guy's going to get some business from us. There's no doubt. People are going to like it. And he's going to be like, oh, it was that guy that I didn't take care of. He was really nice. And he's not going to know. Well, maybe, maybe give me a like a promo code or something. Yeah, give you, he yeah, needs 5% to give, off. <laughs> give you a damn backpack. Yeah. I know if I know if I were doing something uh, like that and, and I'd give somebody a My Core Caddy, I wouldn't give them 20%. If they're going to give me their time, I'd offer it to them at least. You know, when I did that promo video, I offered it to them. Nobody wanted one. But I, oh, no, actually, I'm not sure. I gave a couple of them out, but. Anyway, all right. Um, okay, you can put it down. Okay, we got it. We, the guy at the backpack that <laughs> screwed you over. We got it. All right, let's talk to our guest. Hold up. Wait a minute. Let's hear from our sponsors. Winter is here, and we know what that means. Rodents are looking for a nice, comfy place to call their home. Nothing better than a nice, warm attic or crawl space, possibly yours. Do you know that rodents can cost thousands of dollars in repairs or even worse? Squirrels are the number one issue 
with house fires in the attic due to them constantly chewing on the wires, not to mention the diseases that they carry. Well, not on Inspect All Pest Services Watch. They do full or partial exclusions to help get rid and prevent rodents from invading your home. Whether it's squirrels, rats, opossums, or bats, they got you covered. Fully licensed and insured, Inspect All Pest Services is a company you can trust to take care of all your rodent needs inspectallservices.com make sure you mention the bs and receive 10 percent off your exclusion work year-round exclusions one year of rodent trapping included with annual renewal rodent letters trap set and attics and crawl spaces free inspections inspectallpestservices.com doing a little remodeling in the new year possibly go to uci kitchen and bath they've been atlanta's number one cabinet granite and quartz fabricator and installer for the past 20 years by the way, if you go in or when you go in, make sure you ask if Tony's around. Tony's awesome. You got to meet Tony. Fair prices, quality of work, and excellent service apart uh, from their competitors and their industry. You can visit the Norcross uh, showroom location and let their design team just totally transform your kitchen and bathroom into this beautiful and functional environment to fit you know your personality right it's a one-stop shop at uci kitchen and bath they provide installation on whatever you buy mention the bs you get 10 percent off regularly priced countertops ucigranite.com ucigranite.com i want you to get the latest coolest hippest trends in your house plus you get to improve your property value ucigranite.com and back to you jason There's no doubt one of my favorite guests, whether it's on a radio show or on this podcast, is uh, a guy that I can call a friend after all these years, and he's just uber talented. Everybody knows Brad Meltzer, whether it's from the TV shows on the History Channel or his numerous books, uh, especially his children's books, which are great. Now we've got to talk about the Nazi conspiracy, the second plot to kill Roosevelt, Stalin, and Churchill. Brad... um, so the word Nazi is very taboo, right? You, like you say it out loud in public and you're chastised, right? You're, you're looked at as like, I can't believe you just said it. You wrote an entire book on this. Was the research of doing the book uncomfortable? Um, you know, it's one of those, uh, um, and I can give you a quick, you know, trite answer, but I'd rather give you the true answer. When you're reading this book, it's about a secret plot, a true story, a secret plot to kill FDR and Stalin and Churchill. And obviously that's the titillating thing to say, right? Is like we, we found, you know, telling the story of the secret plot, but sadly you can't take your eyes off the Nazis when you're doing the research. Yeah. Like the, I can show you FDR scenes. I can show you Winston Churchill scenes, but every time the Nazis moments came because they're so horrible and they're so awful. And um, you just can't take your eyes off them because that you know absolutely 100% they're real. And so even something as basic as like there's a moment where, you know, how do you find this stuff? So the Nazis used to keep their top intelligence in what they call brown sheets because they were literally printed on brown paper. And they used to lock them in a zippered compartment. You had to destroy what you read after you read it, like 30 days maximum. It was like the Mission Impossible briefcase, but for Nazis. Uh. And no one should have them. They should all have been destroyed by the definition of what they were. And the head of propaganda, um, 
was uh, Joseph Goebbels, and he used to keep extensive diaries and write what he found in the brown sheets. He put them in his diaries, which was so stupid as an intelligence person, but we got to see them. So now you get to read Nazi diaries and find out not just that, you know, we all know the stories that we, we cracked the Nazis' Enigma machines and, and, and knew all their secret codes, and we found that they cracked ours. Really? And they're listening in on FDR and Churchill on their international cables. And suddenly, you know, what? And any other situation would be like, oh, whatever, that's just spycraft. You know, it's the Nazis and it just takes on a whole new meaning. So even something as mundane as that, just like where you get the intelligence from, uh, sadly, is is heartbreaking. And the devastation you see is heartbreaking. So, yes, it's it. you feel uncomfortable, but you also feel like I want to know that so I can fight it. Yeah. How how did uh so you take all these people that have a hatred for so many people even their own kind as far as nationality not ethnicity and it just didn't happen overnight you have a leader like hitler that is able to brainwash all these people did he do it with force or just he was the master manipulator to say one day that person is your best friend but today i'm telling you they're your enemy because they're they're Jewish, right? So let's 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 break it down to two things. So the answer is no, it's not by force, and that's the saddest part. Yeah. So there's a guy in the book, one of the assassins in the book. You'll see is a guy named uh, Otto Skorzeny, and Otto Skorzeny is a Nazi, he's a special ops guy, big fighter. And Hitler asks all of his special ops guys. He pages Otto Skorzeny to come down to a secret headquarters called the Wolf Slayer. And you know you're not in for a good day when the word layer is in the title, right? right? And, and you go down to the wolf's lair, and he's got all of his special forces guys. He lines them up in a room shoulder to shoulder. And Hitler quizzes them with one question. He says, what do you think of Italy? And they're all kissing his rear end and saying, oh, we're going to fight with, you know, going to fight. Italy's on our side. That You know, we're going to fight to the death. We're going to, you know, beat America and blah, blah, blah. And Otto scores and he shouts above everybody else, I am from Austria, my Fuhrer. And he's gambling because he knows that Adolf Hitler is from Austria. And a true Austrian knows that deep down you, you deeply resent Italy because back during the First World War, Italy took a key piece of Austria and never returned it. And in that moment, Adolf Hitler turns to Otto scores and he's like, you're my guy. You're my guy. And he sends him on a secret mission, which you'll see in the, in the Nazi conspiracy. But that's so crazy. We had to put actual photographs in the book because we're like, people won't believe it unless we show them this moment. And you'll see the physical photo in the book of it's, oh, it's the craziest Nazi story you've never heard. Now, I tell you that simply to say that's on his own side. It's a normal operation. There's no, he doesn't make anyone love him. He just knows how to find those people who are loyal to him. And on the other side, when it comes to the German people, there's no force. In fact, the, the Holocaust doesn't start with, with death camps. The Holocaust starts with slogans and rallies and propaganda and book bans. And it takes a charismatic guy like Adolf Hitler who identifies these white native-born Germans who are suffering economically. They're just, you know, Germany's not what it once was. Their life was not what it used to be. And that's the magical ingredients for authoritarianism. It's, it's the recipe for decades and decades, including today. And Hitler basically looks at, the, at, at this group of, of people who are suffering and says, those people 
are the cause of your problem. Of course, he means the Jewish people. Those people are the reason your life is not as good as it was. Those people. And man, that is the repeat, the code word that we see decade after decade, generation after generation, those people. And here it's the Jewish people in World War II, but it could be the black community, the gay community, it could be the immigrant community, it could be whatever, pick whatever minority community you want. And you can disagree with me on some of the politics of it, but I'm telling you over and over, that's a recipe. And I know people get, there's a reason why politicians like Hitler want to make you mad. He wants to make his own people mad. And politicians even today want to make you mad and tell you those people are good. They're ruining everything for you. You know why? Because angry people vote and angry people watch TV, man. It's a great recipe. And this, what I hope the Nazi conspiracy is really about, beyond the plot to kill Stalin and Churchill and FDR, is to teach you, you got to use your voice to fight back. The American dream is not about making money. The American dream, to me, is about when you see someone being picked on, when you see someone being bullied, you use your voice and you say, enough. And if you don't, man, you're just going to repeat it. We're going to see the same thing again. So you use the word recipe, and I was getting ready to use that exact same word and ask if that is the recipe for any person in power to gain more power is to isolate a group of people, an easy target with a stereotypical background possibly to focus on a majority group of people, turn them against each other, and you look like the leader and savior of all. That's the recipe, right? That's the recipe. If that story sounds familiar to you today, it should, right? We are seeing it. And and all you got to do, you're not brainwashing anybody. There's no hocus pocus here. The point is, when you're mad and you're suffering, the best thing you can do when you're a politician is take that group and make them angry. Because then you don't just, you know, there's a, there's a great scene in the, in the boys of all things. My, my buddy, uh, Eric Krimke, wrote on the boys and, and uh, the TV show. And one of my favorite moments in, I think it's season two or three, is uh, there's this one Nazi character who says, you have followers, I have soldiers. Like the people, when you get people angry and riled up at a big rally, they are soldiers for you. They'll vote for you. Angry people vote. And, and you got to not be a sucker. I, psychologically, it's proven that when someone says something to you definitively, like, you know, those are the ones who caused your problem, your natural instinct is to believe that person. Because when someone says something definitively, we're trained to be like, oh, that must be true. And then you immediately go like, oh, I'm, I'm mad at that. But I'm, I will tell you, I personally go, oh, I'm so mad at the other political side. Whatever politics you have, you're pissed at the other side. Don't be a sucker. That's a sucker bet, okay? They are trying to get you riled up so you can do and aim you at, like a gun at the other side because all it does is, is give them you know, a great weapon. But we have to be better than what angers us. That's the lesson of World War II is you, you know, we, we, we blame Adolf Hitler. Like you started saying, right, Adolf Hitler, Adolf Hitler. There's a, there's a conference called the Wannsee Conference in the book that we talk about. So I'm, it's truly a mundane, boring government meeting. Like on a Thursday, make it up the date. It's like on a Thursday, I'll say. And everyone kind of comes into the room and everyone, you know, has a file folder. And I guess they pull their pencils from the pencil cup. They sit around the big conference table. But this one happens to be outside Germany. And instead of you think they're planning paving which roads they're going to pave this week, they're planning how many Jews there are in Europe and how they're going to kill them so efficiently. And all those Germans in that room, it's not just Hitler, all those Germans who are government employees who are just bureaucratically doing their thing, none of them 
None of them stop it. None of them say anything. None of them do anything. They all go along with it. Man, when you, when you see something that's unfair in this world, you got to say enough. you got to use your voice. Do you think that Putin has what Hitler had uh, in order to control? Like what we see in the media, I, I don't see it. I, I, don't, I, I don't think he's got that, that it factor about him. But what do I know? Do his- no, but you know what Putin has? You know what he has? It's the same thing. He makes a promise to his people who are suffering there, right? The economy is the crapper there in Russia. And he basically says, I'm going to make the Soviet Union. Remember the great days of the Soviet Union? I'm going to bring that back again. Mm-hmm. I'm going to bring back that. I mean, listen, and, and not, not to get, you know, I'll just say because it it's a fact, not to cast judgment, whatever. But there's a moment where Adolf Hitler says in, in one of his speeches, he's going to make Germany great again. I'm not saying it to say Donald Trump is Adolf Hitler. I'm not, I don't need the headache of all that nonsense. But I'm simply saying that it's a hell of a recipe. It's, it's the greatest marketing of all time, right? It, it gets you riled up, and it tells you your life can be better if you just follow me. And that's, you know, that works for Putin right now. He's basically saying you want the Soviet Union used to be the greatest power in the world. We had all this land. We had all this prosperity, and it's gone, and I'm going to bring it back again. And you know what? People want that promise. They want their old life back again. Yeah. Well, Trump stole that line from Reagan. So if anybody wants to. Yeah, no, Reagan used that line too. Yeah. I and mean, again, I'm not saying yeah. like that line is just, it repeats because it's a hell of a great line. It just is. Yeah. I want America great again. Everyone wants America great again. It's a, everyone wants their old, the old, the good old days, you know, wherever you live, once you get to a certain age, you want the good old days back again. And that promise is what Putin's doing right now. Right. It's it's what Reagan promised when he ran. It's what Hitler promises when he runs. We're going to give you your old amazing life back. And again, it doesn't start with death camps. It just starts with like the small, tiny things. And then, of course, you know, Hitler takes it to crazy town. But um, but I never I never understood the, the good old days. I mean, we're Americans. We live in a great country with tons of freedom so much that it gets us in trouble because we have so many freedoms. What were the good old days? Were you know, the- Listen, I mean, I, I, I obviously agree with you. I don't, but I will tell you that to a, there are a group of people in this country where the, you know, their, their old way of living without having to deal with what they say and, you know, offending someone and making sure that they're being sensitive to anyone else to them. That's the good old days, <laughs> you know, like obviously everyone has their own definition of it, but um, you know, that, that there's a moment. So, okay, here's a better example. When Charlottesville happened a few years back, we saw, and again, you said it right there, we throw the word Nazi around a lot these days, and that's a dangerous thing to do to me. But when Charlottesville happened, there were real Nazis marching in Virginia, right? Real Nazis with swastikas, you know, shouting in their tiki torches. And I remember, like everyone else, you know, we're wringing our hands as Americans going, how does this happen here? Again, whatever side of politics you're on, how does this happen in America? That seems like some that should happen in the 1940s or, you know, in Germany sometime, but Europe, far away from here. And when we were researching the Nazi conspiracy, Josh mentioned, I'm my co-author, found this amazing moment in American history that back during World War II, there was a Nazi rally that took place in Madison Square Garden, the heart of New York City, 20,000 Nazis gathering together to cheer. There's a big giant banner of George Washington surrounded by swastikas. The first speaker at the rally says that if George Washington were alive today, he'd be friends with Adolf Hitler. Wow. 
That's crazy, right? Why are we fighting Nazis in 2023 here in America? Because they never left. Yeah. They were here then. It's you know, and when Kanye West shoots his mouth off using his celebrity to you know say his anti-Semitic things, we're like, oh, I can't believe a celebrity would do that. Back then, Henry Ford did the same thing. Charles Lindbergh did the same thing. They used their celebrity to bash the Jewish people. So this stuff repeats over and over. And what we do is we take World War II and we tell these headline stories. We tell like a greatest hits of it. You know the, that America punched the Nazis in the jaw. And we saved the world for democracy. And it's a great story. It's a great Spielberg kind of tale. But we didn't want to fight Nazis in America when World War II happened. No one wanted to fight the Nazis. After World War I, we were so tired of, of losing so many of our young men in that war that no one wanted to go and fight again. We were an isolationist country. We were like, we're never fighting abroad. When the stock market crashed, it was a disaster. FDR is elected to save the country from ruin to make the country like, you know, the good old days, bring them back again, prosperity back again. The only reason we get involved in World War II is because of Pearl Harbor, because the Japanese attack us and we say, oh, you want to fight now? We'll fight you. We don't even want, we don't even say we're fighting Hitler then. And the only we're not re- in World War II. And the only we're reason- fighting the Japanese. And it's Adolf Hitler who declares war on us and says, listen, ma'am, his own advisors, Adolf Hitler's advisors say, don't declare war in America. Let them be. We don't need that headache. And Hitler's like, no, man, you know, strong people declare war. They don't wait to be declared war on, and he declares war on us. And so now we got to fight him too. And it's a great giant, one of his great miscalculations. Winston Churchill says he remembers when that happens. Not that he's happy, but he knows that he remembers this quote about the, the America. And he says that America, the United States, is like a gigantic boiler. And once you light a fire under it, there's no limit to the power it will produce. And he's right about that, ma'am, because mm. now we're on, the game's on. And the reason why Japan attacked Pearl Harbor was all over tariffs that we imposed on them, correct? Uh, well, ben- I think there's a, lot, there's a lot of reasons why it happens. It's, it's a giant miscalculation by the Axis powers. Um, and the other miscalculation, of course, is Adolf Hitler's belief that when he invades the Soviet Union that the Russians are going to give up fighting. Um, and, you know, Hitler makes obviously many horrible decisions, but those two big ones declaring war on us and, and, and thinking he could take on the Russians, arguably, he, you know, he could have potentially won if he just would have not been an egomaniac. I mean, he had, don't forget, the Soviet Union were on the sides of the Russians at the start of the war. They weren't on our side. It's only when Hitler invades them that they're like, wait, we should join the Allied powers and be on the good guy's side. Um, but Hitler could have potentially ruled the world if he just had a little bit of discipline. Yeah, I mean, that's a sad, you know, he just makes miscalculation after miscalculation. That's the scariest thing to me. So what is the, which I never heard of until I saw the part of your book title is The Secret Plot to Kill Roosevelt, Stalin, and Churchill. What was, I mean, without giving it all away, because we want no, people to No, let's talk about it, man. So, so let's paint the picture. Um, this is the moment in 1943, the height of World War II, where... Joseph Stalin, the premier and the head of the Soviet Union, wants us to come and invade, and he wants our help fighting the Nazis, right? The Nazis are decimating the Soviet Union. He's like, come, and, and we're, we're sending munitions, we're sending weapons, but he's like, no, no, you've got to invade from the east, you've got to help me. And FDR realizes that he has to get the big three superpowers together. He's got to get the United Kingdom and the Soviet Union and the United States in one room. FDR, Churchill, Stalin, look each other in the eye, they got to make plan for troop movements, plan for morale, plan for supplies. There's, it's one of the only times in world history where millions of lives are truly at stake. 
And this meeting must take place it's in Tehran, Iran of all places. And to really give you the picture of it, FDR goes to Tehran. His motorcade is coming down the center of the city. Everyone's craning their neck. They want to see the president. It's the president of the United States is there. And the president's waving back from the motorcade. But what no one knows is that's not the president at all. It's a Secret Service decoy. The real FDR is across town. He's ducked down and hiding in the back of a beat-up sedan, racing through the side streets because they're worried there's a Nazi assassin who's going to murder him. And I just ruined chapter one of the Nazi conspiracy. Uh, <laughs> but, but there's chapter one for you. That's chapter one of the new book. That's crazy. I'd never heard that before. I mean, I'm sure Of there's... course you never heard it because no one... You got to say, why do you not know this story? Here's why. Because when the meeting's over, FDR goes back to the White House and he says, we had a great meeting. Oh, and by the way, the Nazis tried to murder us. And of course, the phone starts ringing. Everyone wants to know what's going on. It makes the newspaper, every newspaper in the country carries a story. It's a huge story. But guess what happens within a year after that? The invasion of Normandy. Mm. 150,000 men storm the beaches, a million more waiting by in successive waves. And at that moment, it's such a big story that the story of the Nazi conspiracy, the secret plot, just becomes a footnote to history until history nerds like me say, hey, man, what's that story? And let's figure it out. When you go, because I know right now you're currently on the book tour traveling from state to state, city to city. Um, like when you go on Kelly Clarkson, you know, I love the rapport that you two have. And you go on a show like that. How deep can you get into this without making people like Kelly or someone else feel really uncomfortable? I don't know. I mean, I, you know, I did, I, you know, this week we've done Rachel Ray, Kelly Clarkson. Um, you know, you can watch the Rachel Ray interview. We, we talk about everything, you know, so many things we talk about. It's just, you know, Kelly loves our kids books. So we talked more about kids books. Rachel really loves thrillers. So we talked more about this because she's like, this is, it's real history, but it reads like a thriller. I don't, I don't know. I, I think you're, I think you're um, underestimating people. I think people, you know, no one wants to hear about the, you know, some of the, the most gruesome parts of the Holocaust, of course. It's very upsetting to many people, rightfully so. But, but hearing the background of why we were fighting Hitler and how we won and how we took him down and why he, you know, what, what miscalculation he made, and more important, that he was trying to murder the president of the United States, um, you know, people want to hear that story. And, and they want to hear that story because— Again, we reduce World War II to these greatest hits, and we ignore the deep cuts and the amazing parts of it. And World War II is not just a skirmish that happens. It's part of the American identity. It's one of the only and maybe last times in modern time that everyone can agree that America came in, did the right thing, saved the day, uh, and we all agree that you know, we're all on the same side. Mm. When was the last time we ever anyone said that about our government? So yeah. I think people want to hear those stories of, of, of how we did it correctly. Well, I, I say this because we live in a time and day of trying to forget history in the past. And this is such a huge part of history, you know, and such a, a you know, a feel good for, uh, well, for the most part for American history is that we, like you said, came in, we won and did all these things. But we want to forget whether good or bad the past and you bring up anything negative in the past uh even if you can learn from it you know uh, the civil war the confederacy you know slavery nazis holocaust any of that stuff it seems like we want to forget it all instead of learning from it 
So I agree with you, but I'm just well. Some people want to forget it all, and some people realize you you know you you bury it and you bury our souls. You know there are beautiful stories that are told by people that look very differently than you and I, whose stories are vital. And if you ignore them, you're ignoring who we are. And and I think you know what you're seeing now. History isn't math, right? It doesn't just have one answer. History is made up of perspectives, and if you just follow one perspective you get one story but if you follow a different perspective you get a different story and that's not a flaw and this is you know i know they got me running you know in two minutes but this is maybe the perfect way to end it like i firmly believe that you know that's not the flaw it's what makes us beautiful we're all living stories right each of us every day when we wake up we kind of hold ourselves together and we decide what story about ourselves we're going to put out there. We want to put out the best pieces of ourselves, the part where we look brave or we look good and we look like we're kind and we look like we're generous. And we hold that out and we hide the parts of ourselves we want no one to see, you know, that we're also selfish and quick to anger and we're petty sometimes. And we pray that no one sees those parts of us. And we walk around and we hold that story of ourselves out and we pray that everyone believes it. And um, to me, that's not a bad thing. It's a human thing. And I love that when you read The Nazi Conspiracy or any other book I write, you become a part of my story. I become a part of yours. To me, there's nothing more intimate. I love that. Well, thank you for the copy. And if anybody else wants it, which I highly suggest you get, uh, bradmelter.com, The Nazi Conspiracy, The Secret Plot to Kill Roosevelt, Stalin, and Churchill. Uh, Brad, my friend, always good to see you. Be safe on your 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 rock star road tour for the books uh, book tour, and we'll talk very very soon. Okay. Thank you, pal. Always right. good to see you, and thanks for uh, supporting us in every different medium. And uh, I really do appreciate it. Of course. Talk soon. Bye bye. Take care. Hold up. Wait a minute. Let's hear from our sponsors. I absolutely love the relationship that I have with Nubertees men's wellness facility in Sandy Springs, Georgia. I've been going there for, I guess now two years for testosterone maintenance, and it's totally changed my life. As a 47, almost 48-year-old man, I have the testosterone of somebody in their young 20s, and I feel great, and I look great too, if I do say so myself. But it's more than that. It's dieting. It's getting your life back on track. It's longevity, so you're around for your family, your kids, your friends. So I need you to go to menswellnessleague.com. Schedule an appointment right there on the homepage. You schedule an appointment. I'm in there once a week, and I see a lot of you two percenters up there, and it makes me feel good that you're doing something about your health. And you can get that wellness combine for only $99 because you are a two percenter. That's $200 off the regular price. Plus, if you sign up, you'll get a complimentary vitamin cocktail valued at $150. You'll get a full body detailed assessment and analysis from their board certified staff. When you schedule that call, make sure you mention the BS to get this deal. Menswellnessleague.com. All right, full disclosure, yes, Rachel Guy, Rachel the Realtor Guy is my wife. On top of that, she's one of the best realtors in Atlanta. Uh, she's, well, not just Atlanta and the whole state of Georgia. I see her all the time driving all over the place for a lot of you two percenters, which I'm totally cool with because she's finding you, some of you, your first house, some of you, your second house, whatever it may be. Everybody's happy when they use my wife to find a house. She's a realtor with Coldwell Banker. So if you're looking to buy or sell, just give her a buzz. Her name is Rachel Guy, and she's your guy. See what we did there? 404-797-4600. That's her private number. Don't get weird on her. 
Don't get weird on me. 404-797-4600. You want stress-free buying and selling in a really crazy market. So get a hold of her also by email. I am Rachel Guy at gmail.com. And back to you, Jason. Nate sends me this story the other day of this police officer and how she gets, she's like a cop in a small town. I believe it's Tennessee, right? Tennessee? Yeah. Yeah. Mm hmm. Megan yeah, Hall. I think it. Officer Megan Hall. Yeah, Laverne. 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 Laverne and Shirley. <laughs> anyway, it's a small Tennessee police station. And uh, she's slept with every single person that she works with. They like, they have orgies and threesomes. And her husband, she's got a husband. And they have an open yeah. open marriage, so he's cool with it all. Yeah, he's just sticking by his wife. Or was he just like, uh, you know, we all make mistakes? No, I think it was what what I read. It said he had an open marriage. Not yeah, I read that too. Stuff. But I mean, who knows? Maybe he's just trying to cover, save face. Oh my God! Can you imagine that? that like your wife becomes a national story, and the story is is that she slept with every cop in her department. And then she was having orgies and threesomes. Like, yeah, I think I might come out and say, yeah, we have an open relationship as well. (laughs) (laughs) Officer Megan Hall and her fellow law officers allegedly engaged in wild sexcapades that included sending dirty pictures, taking her top off at a girl's gone wild hot tub party, and even having oral sex with two officers at the La Virgin, Tennessee, uh, Tennessee Police Station. The steamy shenanigans in which Hall allegedly bragged about the size of one partner's genitals and claimed to be in an open marriage, in quotations, not only led Hall to be canned, but led to the firings of Sergeant Lewis Powell, Officer Juan Lugo, Sergeant Ty McGowan, and Detective Seneca Shields. That'd be a chick. So there's another chick there, huh? Seneca's a chick. Woman. Uh, I don't know. Maybe they're Indians. Seneca. That's still a female name, right? Oh, no. Uh, Seneca. Seneca. Oh. You say Seneca, it sounds weird. Yeah. (laughs) I think he's a black guy. Two other officers who allegedly had romps with Hall, Patrick Magalacoco and Larry Holiday, kept their jobs but wound up suspended. Uh, And then there's some pictures of this girl. And she, you know... Isn't it weird? Like, for uh, you guys have seen the pictures, right? Nan, I know you've seen the pictures. On a scale of <clears throat> one to ten, minus this story, where would you rank her? I mean, just, like, where am I seeing her? Like at the club or whatever? I mean, take your pick, whatever picture. I'm looking at the one where she's being sworn in as a cop. Yeah, I just mean like, okay, I thought you meant like if I saw her, like would I go after her or something? No, no, no. I'm saying uh, rank her right now, 1 to 10, 10 being the hottest, minus this story. You don't know anything about the story. You're just looking at her, however. Uh, I mean, she's not that great looking, but um, but I think the uniform makes her a little hotter, uh, being a cop. Okay. 1 to 10. Give me a number. Uh, uh, six. Okay, six. Brandon, understand what I'm saying? One to ten, ten being the hottest. Ranker minus this story. 
Yeah, I think the uniform picture actually makes her probably look worse. I'd probably go a little lower, probably like a four or a five. Okay, so four or five. Now, add this story in, and you know what she's like. Does that change your ranking of how she looks? I'd probably lean more towards a four. Oh, that's it? It doesn't shoot up the charts? No, it would shoot down. Really? Oh, I would think it would shoot. That was my whole point. Like, I mean, she yeah. is she is not an attractive woman at all. She looks like Corky from Life Goes On back in the day. And she's, I mean, but she's like Tennessee hot, right? Small town Tennessee hot. And if she's a slut like that, she's going to be hotter. Yeah. Well, then you kind of, tr- like, in your mind, you're trying to undress her and think of, like, okay, well, how'd this play out? You know, it's it's like a porn, basically, you know? It's it's a role-playing. Like, she has a uniform. She's taking off her little tie and pulling her boobies out of her button-down uh, office, uh, officer uniform. Yeah, it does shoot it up a little bit, I think. Okay, so where do you go? You you were at, what, like a, would you say a five or six? Yeah, six. Well, and I was taking into account, I guess, for like the uniform a little bit. So I might be more on like Brandon, like a four or five, and probably brings her up to like six or seven at least. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I agree. That's what that's what I was thinking. I think Brandon's lying to us. To be honest yeah, well, and also it's it's like the forwardness of it. It's it's not like these guys kind of seduced her and like took a of her. She's like, I mean, one of the on the houseboat party, she pulls that that uh, Maggiano guy or whatever the fuck his name is. She pulls him aside and she says, "You want to fuck." And uh, they went in the the bathroom, and she gave him oral. So it's like that that forwardness of um, a woman, I think, makes them a little more attractive or enticing. So what's the what do you get fired for? You know, unless they have, and I don't know if it says it in the article or not. Do they have a, a, something in the police force that you can't sleep with your fellow cops? I guess. I, I would assume that's one thing. And then also, you know, she had sex on duty, which I'm sure is illegal and, or not illegal, but against the rules in, in most jobs. I don't think you can bang on the, on the clock. That, that's true. Yeah. The sex on the job will, will get you every time. There's no doubt about that. But, you know, like companies now today, more than ever, they have a no fraternizing, you know, with your coworkers and stuff. But what do you expect, right? Like if you're single and you're working with somebody, say nine to five, and there's an attraction there. I mean, you get to know somebody pretty well, right? Two single people working in a job. It just makes sense, you know, but the company says, no, you can't do it. So now it's taboo. Now it's risky, which makes it even more exciting that you're not telling anybody about this stuff. Uh, and then you finally get caught and you lose your gig. You both lose your gig, you know, and you're probably not even together anymore um, kind of thing. So I don't know. It's like kind of. I don't know. I don't know where I sit, you know, like, but the other side of it is you break up while you're working. There's this awkwardness. There's this, or you don't feel like you can break up because you do work together uh, or you start dating somebody else in the office or the workplace. You know, the restaurant industry is notorious for this, you know, like mm-hmm. the head cook is going through all the waitresses, you know, he's dated all five or six of them. You know, that's just how it's always the head cook, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I'm for that. Like, I don't think it's right because like, especially if it's a subordinate and everything, because these other officers, she might be getting the, the best shifts because she's banging, you know, her higher up. Then they they put her on like the good shifts and then you're getting, you know, overnight duty because you're not having sex with the, the sergeant. So it's kind of fucked up. It's a little, little, but this girl right here, she looks like she mm-hmm. like, that's the kind of girl Brandon will marry. <laughs> yeah. No, she just looks oh, like God, she, she looks like even without this story of all this stuff, she just looks like somebody you would settle for. 
Oh, God, I hope not. Her eyes are too far apart. I don't know if she's looking at me or my buddy over there. Well, you're going to have to straighten that out. But doesn't this, doesn't like, the first time I saw her, I was like, God, she just looks like a Brandon girlfriend. Well, you can tell she's like a uh, small town, doesn't really wear makeup, but is freaky. So I could see Brandon like finding some girl at maybe a big bonfire in his buddy's backyard. And then she dr- drags him behind uh, some bales of hay and goes to town on his junk. I can see that. Brandon, we should send you up to wherever Tennessee and see if you can find her. Sleep with her. Hi. Right. Yeah, I'll try and find her. You'd sleep with her. I know you would. Nah, I don't I don't know if I want to. I'll let her suck my balls. Brandon, that's horrible. Don't say I want her to suck my balls. You know, that's like really uncalled for. They're very immature and it's not a turn on if she's listening. Well, maybe it is. I don't know. It's after you wash them, so it'll be fine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you should, I bet you like we should make bets. You know, and send like a hundred bucks. Say a hundred bucks, you can't do it to send you up to Tennessee to do it. Just, just as a gentleman's bet to see if you can sleep with her. You can't do this bit on the radio. You can only do this on. I've tried to do stuff like this on the radio. They wouldn't let me do it. But I always think it's funny. I like bets. You know, how long are you, are you googling how far it is from here? Laverne. Yeah, Laverne, Tennessee. Probably. Yeah, I saw it on Google Maps the other day. They posted a picture. They changed like the location to a train station. <laughs> Some trolls did. It's like three. It's like three hours, probably. Burn. Go stay the weekend searching for uh, Megan. You're on mute again. Yeah, me. It's no. it's a suburb of Nashville. Look at that. Go to Nashville. <clears throat> totally cool. Oh, oh yeah, it's a little south, yeah. south of Nashville. We don't have to go quite all the way to Nashville. All right, there you go. A couple hours. You're in the car. You know she's a sure you, thing. If I can find her, because oh. she doesn't work there anymore, right? Somewhere around there. You can find her. I guarantee. Oh, I bet she'll be on OnlyFans within two weeks. If she's smart. Absolutely. I mean, that. so you're not going to be a cop again. So OnlyFans, absolutely. Yeah. She's she's got the perfect introduction to OnlyFans with this story. National story, her being a ho-ho, and then she opens up an OnlyFans. There's an audience for that. Especially she dresses like a cop. She does weird things with the baton and, you know, yeah. Dudes would love that. Freaks. Yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. Brandon's really She could be Megan Trainer. <laughs> Brandon's <laughs> contemplating. Have you ever had a girlfriend that looks like her? Uh, No, but I've seen girls that look like her. Yeah. She does look like one of those girls that you've seen before, doesn't she? Yeah, yeah. she's like one of the girls you see at, a, like Nate was saying, at like a kind of redneck bonfire, and she's over there, and you've never seen her before, but you know she's probably pretty dirty. But that there's something good to that. Uh, I guess I am a little dirty too. Oh, you're real dirty. Yeah. You're, you're, <laughs> you're, oh, Brandon dirty. You're real dirty. There's no doubt you're dirty, but I mean, it depends on what you want, right? I mean, you're obviously, if you're out one night, you're at the bonfire and you see the dirty girl, you know, that that's what you're getting that night. If you're looking for somebody to date and love and cuddle, you don't go for the dirty girl. It's just, I, I don't know how they get there. I don't know how it happens. I don't know the evolution of the dirty girl, but, uh, I'm assuming it has something to do with a bad breakup or something bad in their family history, right? Because you never really see girls with good families and have had healthy relationships become dirty girls, right? They're always broken, daddy issues, um, Mm. trailer park, cotton panties, dirty cotton panties. Those are the girls that become... Uh, and the same goes for guys. So women don't think I'm picking on you, but there's always like the breakup, the one person that scarred them forever. 
you know, Matthew McConaughey and uh, the ghost of girlfriends past, you know, he was scarred and that's why he could never find love and he just slept around. But if it weren't for the ghosts that came back, he would have never realized how much he actually loved the Jennifer girl, whatever her name is. So, uh, yeah. So yeah, she's just, it's in her DNA. So the small towns in Tennessee, they've got a lot of ho-hos. Yeah. Well, especially like, it's like that girl that she probably, I mean, I don't know if she did, but a lot of those types of girls, they grew up in maybe a rural rural area. They had a bunch of brothers. So they grew up, you know, riding four wheelers and watching horses fuck. So they're probably just, it's the, that sexuality is in their DNA for sure. Well, Brandon's what exactly what we're talking about. I mean, we're talking about this girl being a dirty girl and how she gets there, but Brandon is broken. You know, Brandon is, you know, he is kind of a dysfunctional family. He has no direction in his life. He doesn't wash. He doesn't bathe. You know, he's a broken, dirty guy in a small town in Georgia. So he's like the equivalent of this this woman. You guys would make the best pair ever. Like, you guys are simpatico. You guys are perfect for each other. Yeah, I could ride up on my horse. I've seen a lot of horse dick in my life. I mean, whatever you want to do. But, I mean, like, right, Nate, Brandon, like, you and I are clean guys. Women look at us, and they're like, that's a clean guy. Girls look at Brandon, they're like, that's a dirty guy. And girls have the same mentality. They're like, okay, I just want a fling for tonight. They're going to go for the dirty guy because they don't want any strings attached. So Brandon is a good one-night stand guy because he's dirty. Well, and I can see Brandon being like one of those like uh, OnlyFans models managers, like that they they manage the content and, you know, kind of direct them what to do. So I can see him having a couple girls under his belt and like this would be one of them like, hey, come on over to my company. I'll I'll show you the ropes. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he I could see Brandon like doing a really poor job of sex trafficking in Noonan, Georgia, you know, just <laughs> like really poor job. Yeah, uh, <laughs> just started having sex in traffic. Like, oh, that's what we were doing. <laughs> <laughs> They've got those signs everywhere. So the Atlanta airport, um, they have, oh, I meant to post this. I took video of it. They've got this hologram of gun, a gun. You know, so when you're in, you know, the TSA line, which is like, so I don't know the last time I flew domestic. We usually, you know, we don't fly much, but, you know, we go to the Bahamas or Mexico. So we're the international terminal, terminal totally different world. This line was absurd, absolutely absurd. And so, you know, we're going through it. It moved, but, I mean, we were in this TSA line for like 30-ish minutes. And then you get close to where, you know, they check your ticket. There was a hologram of a gun, and then it said, like, no, with the thing, the, the red, you know, stripe through it and stuff. But it was, a, it was like like Tupac hologram. Hologram, 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 hologram. 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 Hologram, right. You Have you, you seen this at the airport? It's so cool. Mm-mm. Like, yeah. what part is it by? It's right when you they check your ticket to go through security. Oh, no, I haven't seen that. Yeah. It's like spinning around, too. It's pretty cool. Oh, so you know. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I've seen it before. How cool is that? Like, it's it became an attraction. Everybody's, like, videotaping it, and I did. And I forgot to post it. It's pretty damn cool. Really cool. Anyway, back to the sex trafficking thing. You know, Atlanta is a hub for sex trafficking. You know, I made a joke about it. It's not funny. I know. I get it. Um, but the, the, the Atlanta is a hub, you know, statistically speaking, of people that are trafficking women, you know, because of the airport. And, you know, you get in, you can fly international, and you get out and out of the country. So they've got signs everywhere of sex trafficking. And then they, you know, that they have it where you get up to 
go to the, the 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 TSA, they check your ticket, and then they take you by two by twos, like you're like you're boarding the Noah's Ark, and there's this police officer with a a, a, a drug sniffing dog, and the dog like follows you, and everybody wants to walk slow. So the dog can keep up, but you're not supposed to. So they're yelling at everybody. Just keep walking. Just keep walking. Just keep walking. But anyway, the signs are everywhere of sex trafficking. And I remember waiting to go on the dog walk and, and, and get through TSA. And I'm like, who would bring a, a woman, a child, you know, that's not yours? Who would, who would sexually traffic? How could you do that? Like in that big of an airport with that much law enforcement, how could you even attempt to do that? I don't know. What, what do you there's mean? a lot of confusion and people everywhere. You think, so it's the opposite of what I'm thinking. There's too much going on. There's way too much confusion. There's way too many cops doing 10 million different jobs versus focusing on looking for you. Yeah, I mean, I'm probably, uh, sex trafficking is sad to say, but it's probably on the bottom of the list. They're probably looking for like bombs and drugs and guns and shit like that. So you're not blowing people up. And then I mean, it's probably easier to find, you know, because you got a dog that can sniff out drugs and bombs, but you can't have a dog to sniff out a sex trafficker. Well, I got to tell you, that dog's not very good at its job because the girl uh, behind us had gummies. So, uh, yeah. well, well, like we've talked about before, those are probably explosive dogs, like searching for bombs and things like that. But no, I, th- I think they do both. Uh, drugs is the big one, though. I know they're, sn- I know they're sniffing for drugs. No, no, most, most of it, like a lot of um, airports have retired their drug dogs because there's so many states now that, that it's legal and um, they can't do both. Like they have to be trained in one thing or the other. There's not uh, drug dogs and, and explosive dogs. Yeah. But in Georgia it's still illegal. So, I mean, if you're doing something illegal, don't they want to get you and you can't trap. But but there's not, there's not really a point of it because what do you have on you? Like a joint or something? If, if they're looking for drugs, if they do have drug dogs, they're down in the luggage looking for your luggage where you might have kilos of stuff or something like that. Oh yeah. Man. Well, they should have just two dogs back to back. There's a little dog. You just keep walking. You got the drug dog and then you got the, the, maybe design a sex trafficking dog. Maybe there's a scent to these people. I have no idea. <laughs> well, yeah. And that's the hard thing is like, like, even though there are cops around, what are you looking for? An adult with a, a child? There's plenty of families flying, so you can't really do anything about it. I guess well, that's what I was asking myself too. I'm like, what do you look for? You know, I know there's signs. Uh, we've had this conversation on the radio show, right? There was like certain signs that you can give if you're in trouble, like you're female, you're in trouble, like certain uh, hand movements, finger gestures and stuff like that, you know, so maybe they're looking for that, but like, you have to be the dumbest bad guy to take somebody through a busy airport that, you know, is being held against their will onto a plane, fly for however long, and then do the same thing to get out of the airport. That's just is stupid versus renting a car and driving. They don't have to deal with anybody, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think you're like thinking of this wrong. Like these people aren't like, I mean, they're being held against their will, but it's, it's like every um, person that's been found in a bait that's been locked in the basement for three years or whatever, they had every opportunity to leave. They just, they're, they think that their captor is, you know, like they're the person that's looking out for them. So they're not trying to actively get away They're So that's what they, they know. They've maybe captured them when they were younger and this is the only life they know. So this is the, their father figure, I guess. So I don't think they're just trying to run off. Uh, I don't think they worry about that. I 
don't know about that. I just you know, take that situation when Cleveland a couple years ago where they, you know, had the three women held captive, the guy like forever, and they tried to get away. They they weren't they weren't they didn't enjoy being chained to the basement. But- no, but that exact one, they had every opportunity to get away. They were like out, they would be outside on it, like mowing the lawn or something. They've, the neighbors had all seen them. They just, they've just kind of been brainwashed into that thing. And they're like, this is my life now. And they're also worried, you know, they said, oh, if, um, you know, if you run off, we're going to kill your whole family or whatever. So they don't actively try to run off. That happens in like almost everyone that you see is like they had an opportunity, but they, they don't because they're afraid. Is that what uh, R. Kelly got busted for, sex trafficking? I think so, or at least holding them just, hostage. Yeah, I thought he was just peeing on underage girls. Nah, that was how it all started back in the day. But they, like when they found his house in Sandy Springs, Georgia, and he had all those women, you know, like they were bunk beds. Um, but you, you were right in, in that situation. I mean, I, I don't agree. I don't think every situation, but I'm sure most situations, you're right. So this one, I, I think the girls they could come and go as they please. And they just knew, like, you know, it kind of baffles your mind, right? You're like going, you're letting R. Kelly, like, I maybe could understand in the late 90s that it would be a thing, but in the 2000s, you're letting R. Kelly dictate your life? <laughs> really? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Don't you think you need to upgrade your captive? <laughs> like, R. Kelly? Really? You know, so, uh, yeah, but they had bunk beds and girls that just lived at the bottom of this house, and they had guys that looked after them. And I think they could go, come and go as they please. But they stayed because of money. They got money. Yeah. And they yeah, were promised to... they were promised things like, I'm gonna help your career, you can be in my next video, I'm gonna introduce you to, and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, I'm trying to read. It looks like he he got busted or he got convicted for um child pornography and yeah, it says child sex trafficking through coercion and enticement. Yeah, sex trafficking, yeah. That's crazy. Can you imagine R. Kelly, you're in jail going, man, shit, just like 20 years ago, my life was great. Had all kinds of money, got to go to big events. I was the man. And now I, I'm arrested for trafficking young women in a house in Sandy Springs, Georgia. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, how do you get there? <laughs> how do you get from there to there? If you're a celebrity and you've got millions of dollars and people kissing your ass and credit where credit is due, some of his music is going to stand the test of time. You know, it'll be around for a very long time. And, mm-hmm. and then you just turn into this monster of a person. Uh, I mean, I'm going to contribute power ego, narcissism, fame as a huge contributor to becoming that person. I don't think if you did not have any of those things, you would be that person. Uh, or maybe it's the opposite. Maybe you always want it, and then you get it by doing it. Who knows? But in this his situation, that's what I'm going to say. I'm going to say it's, you know, all those things. It's like, I got these bitches, and they do whatever I say because I promise them, and they look at this and look at that. You know, one of those types of things. Yeah, it's just like a, like sports sports athletes and um, rappers and stuff. It's like they got out of this maybe poverty situation where they they got fame and money and whatever they want, and then they go back to doing this dumb shit, and then they go to prison. It's like, what? Why would you do that? You you got out, and then you fucked it up. It's you know sad. I know, like Jay Z should be the blueprint, no pun intended, for like every person in the business, right? I mean, the guy was a drug dealer. He used his hustling skills to dominate the music business. 
I mean, that's what he did. No more, no less. Same with the, you know, Ice Cube, Dre, all those guys, they use their hustling street skills to dominate the business. Because I'm taking that guy on the street that every day and every night is trying to survive, you know, being shot, and he's just trying to live, uh, versus the guy that went to school and learned all there is to know about business. I'm taking that, I'm taking the street guy any day of the week and twice on Sunday and snoozing like a champ, you know. But these guys do the same thing, right? They get off the street and then they just become, you know, they go, they revert, they go back, they do whatever the case may be, and you just throw it all away. It's absolutely crazy. And then they're broke. Like, they have no money. You know, who's that one basketball player that was really good and he's homeless? And Mark Cuban, he used to play for, I think, for Dallas. Mark Cuban got him some help. They got him off the street. And I think he, he went back to being on the street. He wanted to be on the street. Didn't want anything. You're on mute again, Nate. I don't know why you always go on mute. That's is it Delonte West? Well, there's yeah, noise Delon- in the background Del- here. Del- so. Delonte West. That's who it is. Delonte West. He was like, he was a good basketball player back in the day. And not that long ago. And then he went on the yeah. street. And, just, uh, and I don't know. I think it was, uh, I think it was all dealing with mental uh, health. I think it was all mental mm-hmm. health, you know, and it's tough to help somebody in that situation. But when, you know, in that case, it's not your fault other than the fact that you're not getting help, but you can't control what your brain is telling your body. Right. I mean, I guess you can. I mean, that's a conversation, but I'll give you the pass for mental health, depression, anxiety, those types of things that just take over your body. Now it's up to you to get help. It's up to you to hear somebody acknowledge it. It's up to you to blah, blah, blah. But when you don't have those things, and you turn into these monsters, there's no excuse. Like, that's crazy. The money that they blow through. Nuts. Absolutely bonkers. Yeah, yeah that was like uh, the rapper Pooh Shiesty. He got, uh, he got famous, and then he went and robbed this guy in a McLaren, and he left on the scene a Louis bag full of $40,000. Like, why is a man robbing someone in a McLaren, and he's got forty grand? I that's how they caught him. I didn't know we were going to have this conversation today on this show. But I did wake up this morning saying, I'm going to try to get something in about Pooh McLaren. Uh, <laughs> yeah, what was his name? Pooh Shiesty. Oh, I'm sorry, Pooh Shiesty. Because <laughs> only the successful podcasts have Pooh Shiesty mentioned. <clears throat> Where the fuck's yeah. Pooh Shiesty? He's a Memphis rapper. He's pretty popular right now. Amongst the rap community. Oh, okay. The Pooh community. <laughs> yeah, the Pooh community. And those fucking shysters. <laughs> If you're not a part of the private poo Facebook group, you're nobody. You don't know what's going on. You don't know anything <laughs> in the rap music business. You have no idea. <laughs> you're clueless. <laughs> yeah. So anyway. All right. Uh, PodcastTheBS.com. We'll get you some bonus content here in just a minute. And I'll, I'll kind of give you a heads up for you premium two percenters what it's going to be about. Uh, I finally figured out why I hate the word influencer. I figured it out. We had that conversation a couple episodes ago. I forget the word that we replaced it with, but I just don't like the word influencer when it pertains to people like me or anybody that's on social media that's blue checked or has a bunch of followers. I hate the term. I hate the whole thing about it. And I now I know why. And I'll explain that with the bonus content for you premium two percenters. Uh, so, uh, podcast, BS.com. That is our website. If you want to subscribe, we would appreciate it. We hope you do. You know, you get the early release episodes, you get the bonus content. You get to hear me sneeze in your ear, which is always cool. Uh, God, I swear to God, Nikki, I, 
I should have sent her home that day. You know that day? Mm-hmm. When she came yeah. over and she didn't tell me she was sick? That's bullshit. She didn't tell me. I was already sick before I knew she was sick. <laughs> well, to be fair, you've given them hell for not coming over, even if they weren't feeling good, because you think you want them in the studio. Oh, that's not true at all. Actually, there's been... New- oh, I don't know. Brandon. Brandon. No, 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 no. There's been numerous times. Nikki had been sick a couple times. Like, I don't want you over here. What was that girl that used to uh, help us out? Uh, Julie? Jill. Jill? She was sick one day, and I was like, do not want you over at all. Not happening. Uh, so, yeah, no. Uh-uh. You're sick, you stay home. Well, diff- different day and age. Well, sometimes okay, so you will say, you'll be like, uh, be like, I don't believe you. And then you'll be like, you don't look sick to me. You're fine. Okay, well, you're a different situation because you lie a lot because <laughs> you're lazy as shit. You know, so, Nate, come on. You know that he lies a lot about what he's doing. And, you know, <laughs> I'm busy. I got, I got a work meeting. And, no, you don't have a work meeting. You're not busy. You don't have shit going on in your life. You can do it. You just make up excuses. And out of all of us on the show, which I know my schedule, and I know well, for the most part, Nate's schedule. I know Nikki D's schedule. We all have 10 million things going on in our lives, and we're able to go be at the times when we record this. You're the guy that misses all the episodes. Yeah. Well, you know, the rain kind of fucks me up, and uh, scheduling when it comes to installs and stuff, and you got to deal with customers, and I got to schedule around the show. And then sometimes, you know, it just doesn't fall on the same day, and I'm, I'm a little busy. Oh. And the power goes out every Tuesday. Every Tuesday, right. Yeah. <laughs> Let me mention this, too, before I forget, because uh, it's been brought up, I guess, on social media. People, you know, they want to know where the Brandy podcast is, the Brandy Lindsay podcast. We don't know. You know, she just, like, ghosted us. It's uh, not shocking, but just odd. Um, and so I guess they had mentioned on their last podcast something like because they weren't getting paid or something to, to that effect. Okay. When we made this deal, I explained to you how it works. Just like with any podcast network, you get clients, you get paid. Not once did e- neither one of them reach out to me about a potential sponsor for what we're doing. Uh, so, you know, you got to work for it just because you're recording. Like, it's, it's, not, it's not a nine-to-five job. It's not a radio gig. It's not a gig at 7-Eleven or, or, or wherever. This is like a, a podcast or passion projects, unless you're some big-name celebrity and some company hires you on. I mean, that, that's just how it is. Um, you know, you do it for the greater good, but there is opportunity. There is an upside. And they just never sold their podcast, which I think they could have sold the shit out of that podcast. They could have gone to sex stores and all kinds of different places and in a heartbeat, but they never once did it. You know, all I ever heard was, I think, from Lindsay bitching about how she doesn't have money for a lawyer because they're going to court or something like that, you know, and wanting me to pay her to come out to an event. (laughs) I'm like, what? You've got to be fucking kidding me. I couldn't even believe you asked me for that. So, you know, I'm not trying to be mean here, but don't go and say stuff like that and have you know, my audience get it all twisted and turned. You know, I don't want heat with you guys, but, like, we were like a family, and I I wanted you guys to participate in this show, and I want it to be bigger, and it is growing, and opportunities, and blah, 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 but if it's just not working fast enough, that's fine, but handle it in a professional way. Like, you know, return my text and just say, hey, look, we're not going to do it anymore. You know, it's just not beneficial to us. I understand. I get it. But to ghost us and to ghost your audience and my audience – and then say things like that, that's just not cool at all. So, um, you know, I 
I'm assuming you're okay because you guys continue to post on social media. I just don't know why you haven't returned our emails uh, or texts. I think I've sent like two or three texts to you guys. I don't know how many you sent, Nate. Brandon, I think you probably sent one or two. Uh, no, I, I had not hit them up because I figured if they weren't answering y'all, they weren't going to answer me. I don't know. Remember when Brandy got fired, she didn't really reach out to any of us, but you're the one that found her. Oh, yeah, on Instagram. That's right. She was yeah, because like, I texted her also, but she never replied to my text, so I had to hit up her on old IG. Maybe tweet at her. She's like one of those old people that disappear for blocks of time, and only Brandon <laughs> can find her. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Uh, Podcastthebs.com. Anyway, premium two percenters, please sign up. Uh, or if you're not, please sign up. Lots of good stuff that comes along with it. And uh, our merch store is up there. We hopefully sooner than later we'll have another merch store. I think we're almost to the point where we can – Get that going. Um, oh, oh, the top three. We do that every Tuesday, uh, that episode. So there's playlists up there. You got a question for Manny, Mad Dog Manny Aurora. That's up there. You want to be a sponsor? That's up there. Everything you could possibly need. Our social media, all that is on podcastthebs.com. All right, Nate, got anything before we get out? Don't fuck your coworkers. Yes, do not fuck your coworkers. All right, Brandon. Uh, don't play with trains at work. Don't play with trains at work. All right. Thanks for listening. Appreciate all the support. Have yourself a uh, great, safe rest of your day. Talk to you soon. Hey, Get off my lawn. It's old man Kevin, and the BS is done for right now. Please share, like, and support podcastbs.com. It's better than radio. Now, get out of here.